I am about to have a conversation with my buddy Jim. He's a the Buddhist teacher and founder of the unusualbuddha.com. What I like about Jim is he's very down to earth, very relatable, and we just have a conversation. It doesn't get too deep or academic. It's just two normal guys who are into Buddhism and we just chit-chat. And I know there are things that you will enjoy and be inspired with and learn, but not in a boring way. It's just two dudes talking. So I hope you enjoy this episode of Humans Are Divine. And here's Jim. Jim, what's up, man? Hey, Jesse, how are you? Doing pretty good. Uh, Happy New Year's Eve. Same to you, man. Good to hear from you. Yeah, so uh, so Jim is the founder of the uh, theunusualbuddha.com with the the, and uh, <laughs> you, you can find him on Twitter. At, he, has, he has a pretty cool Twitter handle, not the Buddha. I love that. That's his moniker there. <laughs> and then everywhere else, he's he's uh, at theunusualbuddha. Uh, Jim and I actually found each other on Twitter, I think. Uh, I thought he had some pretty cool stuff, and then we kind of have a little bit of the same vibe, and... Uh, we, he was actually gracious enough to let me do a guest piece on, on his website, which was super fun to do. And, uh, me and him kind of just follow each other and I think we like each other's thoughts and now we're here doing a podcast. So it's super fun. Absolutely. It's, it's awesome to find somebody that's, uh, that's kind of like on the same wavelength on the same vibe. Uh, there's a lot of people that, uh, take, you know, Buddhism and meditation and, and, and spirituality to such a serious level when, you can have fun with it. You know, you can, I just, I love that, that there's, it's so great to finally find uh, more people that are doing the same thing. And, you know, same with your piece. Like I read your piece. I'm like, man, like that, that's that it just resonated with me. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it, it uh, like we're on the same page. Yeah, totally. I think like for me, one of the things I might've learned like 10 years ago, like one of these like basic life lessons that's been so impactful for me is like whatever we do, even if it's quote serious stuff or in life or spirituality, like the, the end game is fun. The end game is pleasure. It's, it's meant to make us have a good time. And uh, I think that that sometimes does get downplayed like in the vibe or in the tone of spiritual yeah. and stuff. So that's exactly why I was drawn to you. I mean, the, the unusual Buddha, you know, and like you're, you're, your marketing and your branding is fun. You got a Buddhist statue with sunglasses or some shit, right? Like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's I just, actually, uh, my, my wife actually drew that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So fun colors. And, uh, and and that's not to knock anyone else, but there's just different styles. And I'm glad, like you said, I'm, I'm glad people are are doing it a little more, not user-friendly, but just more more fun. Um, yeah, I agree. I, th- I think the, the biggest reason I... I always wanted to go that route with things is just because uh, I always felt like as a kid, my, my, my parents and my family, like they, uh, one of the, the sayings I heard, I think it's from the movie dogma, but uh, that people mourn their faith. You know what I mean? It's a very like somber thing. And that's kind of <laughs> sad to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's very like, Oh, I have to go to church this Sunday. And then like you get to go to church and then what do you do at church? Well, you feel bad for two hours. You know what I mean? While, while the guy's uh, you know, jabbing his finger in a book and, and telling you you're no good. Like that's, uh, that, that's kind of sad to me. Um, and it could yeah. be, like I said, it could be delivery or, or it could be like just my personal experience with it. But, uh, I think, I think that makes me sad as something that, uh, you shouldn't, like I said, you shouldn't mourn your faith. It just doesn't feel right to me. Yeah, totally. I, I also grew up in, in, in Christian Christianity or whatever. And it's funny. Cause like, I think what it is and not just Christianity, but like any spirituality, I think people think that, 
when we take things seriously, we're like performing and we're doing it right because we're still trying to please whether it's a personal God or not or trying to find the answer or salvation. It's like, that's what we're doing. It's like, we're just trying to do it right. And, you know, because fun is just not structured and not, you know, whatever. So, um, yeah, that's hilarious. But speaking of fun, it's it's New Year's Eve. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to be home tonight. I think I think you are, too. You were telling me. Um, yeah. But I mean, do you have any, do you do New Year's resolutions or do you have anything going on with that? Any thoughts for 2021? Uh, honestly, 2021, the, the biggest thing I want to do uh, personally, and I, and I don't know if this is, uh, I feel like this is a goal that most people could probably use. But uh, I, I think in 2020, I learned that I need to get out of my own way. Uh, and that's with any venture. I need to stop trying to uh, prejudge what I'm doing and kind of set forth with the best intention and do the best I can and, uh, you know, and, until I know better and then I can do better. Uh, but mm -hmm. as far as um, I like early in the year, I started a, I did a in-person meditation class before all the lockdowns and everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then I had my my uh, had a baby in, in March as uh, my, my fourth child. Oh, congrats. I, yeah. Thank you very much. I, I didn't want to get too serious with that, uh, with going around teaching meditation because, uh, you know, I don't want to take away because my wife was pregnant and I have, you know, three other kids and one of them uh, actually two of them are autistic. So uh, it's a bit of a handful and I didn't just want to leave her, you know, to be going around because uh, I live in a kind of a rural place. So there's not a lot of like yoga places around, but I, I left it at um, I just can't and I, I just can't do more uh, meditation teaching. I can't do, um, you know, what it is that I can't strive to my goal. And I let mm -hmm. that I left it at that. And to me, I, I spent this whole a lot of this year kind of being my own roadblock. And then I finally, uh, I think it was in November, we started, I started uh, doing one-on-one -on -one meditation classes and I'm like, man, I can do this. I can totally, there's no reason I couldn't have been doing this all year uh, other than a mental block. So I guess if that's, if there's one thing uh, to, I say all that to say that uh, my, my one resolution is to kind of step out of my own way and just kind of get out of my comfort zone. Yeah, and I, I think I love that. And like, what I got of what what I got out of what you just said too is like, do like do what you can, you know. And I'm sure you, I'm sure you're gonna agree with this. But whenever I meet people, and I always say like, oh, I teach meditation or I teach Buddhism or whatever, everyone always tells me like, oh man, like I'm I'm really trying to meditate or like I I've always wanted to do that, but I just can't even do like the 15 minutes a day or whatever. And I always tell them like, dude, like do two minutes, do five minutes, like don't don't knock yourself for just doing the, the little bit that you can because it will make a difference to do something radically different. You know, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, 100%. I always tell people uh, the, the latest thing, uh, I'm, I'm kind of a nerd sometimes with some of this stuff. So I actually sat down and timed myself on like a normal in and out breath and it was eight seconds. And I told, so what I tell people is you tell me you don't have eight seconds. You don't have eight <laughs> seconds in your entire day that you could just close your eyes, push away from the desk and take one deep breath in and out. I mean, to me, that's, some people may not call that meditation that maybe like, you know, relaxation or whatever you want to give, you want to get into semantics. But uh, I feel like that's all it takes. It's just that one little bit. And to be honest with you, eight seconds could change your whole day. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally agree. Like when I first, when I first got into Buddhism, so that was about like six years ago, uh, I, I used to work in retail and management. So I was dealing with stressful shit all the time. And, you know, when, whenever I would have like a like a, an irate customer or something like honestly, like I would just take a few big breaths like in through your nose, out through your mouth real slow. And like in that in those eight seconds, like you said, like all I did was just 
I'm just with my breath. I'm not at work. I'm not anywhere else. I'm just present with my breath, no mind in between. And it would totally calm me down to just go and deal with whatever situation. Like there, there is something about just the naturalness of, of being with something as natural and simple as the breath, you know? Absolutely. And I think that another thing that, that has helped me in those kind of situations, um, and I'm, I'm sure you probably, you, you may agree with this, but I feel like in meditating, uh, I tell people that it, it, uh, increases your, um, I guess, uh, tendency towards empathy, your, mm. your ability to feel for somebody else. So in that moment, uh, and like I told you before, I was a mechanic and I did a lot of like, I had to explain things to customers and tell them why that they, they needed this water pump or whatever it was. Uh, I had to explain a lot of stuff. And, and a lot of times people get mad about that. And you got to kind of understand, I, I think meditation can help you understand from their point of view that if they're huffing and puffing and yelling at you, they're, they're probably hurting. They're, co- they're probably coming from a place of pain, whether it has something to do with you or nothing to do with you. They're probably coming from a place of hurt. That's so, so good. So the people that get into like the customer service issues where they run into, you know, the dreaded Karen, um, <laughs> you know, some, sometimes, uh, you know, I, I, I know I try to, I'm not always the best about it, but I try to remember that sometimes, you know, maybe it's because, you know, they're, they're, they're having a hard time with their neighbor or their kid or their dog. You, you know what I mean? Like, who knows? Like you, you don't know somebody else's struggle. Um, and I think that's a good, um, a good idea. Like you said, to just kind of separate no, no mind in between. I like the way you put that. Um, to where it's, you're, you're not, you're acting, you're not reacting. Yeah. That's, that's so good. Yeah. And you know what? I, I think, I think when people practice like even this simple thing, so like, Hey, if you're listening and you don't meditate, you just got a great tip. If you're in a stressful situation, just take a big breath. And I think when you real, when like you like experience that freshness, that aliveness, that it's okayness to, to help you, like you said, empathize, like you're seeing for yourself, like, Oh, there is something to this. And you're also seeing like, Oh, like I was just in a state where I, I wasn't empathizing, not that I'm a bad person or I was selfish, but okay, so there is a there is a healthy way of me realizing that I, I can be this like, not like a, I, I, I'm, there, there's a thin line between like strict like morality, which I don't like when it's like a Pharisee kind of like finger pointing thing, but there is a place for like happy, humane, easygoing ethics and morality, which I think you know, we should, we should embrace and we should want, you know? And so just these little things like taking a breath will maybe like be your first step towards like, okay, well I do this now. And maybe in a few minutes, I'll, I'll, in a few months, I'll actually start to meditate, but it's like, do just do something, take a step, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. If, if nothing else, I mean, there's, there's no, no harm in dipping your toe in the, in the, in the deep end. Doesn't mean you have to dive in both feet, but uh, you know, cause I, I, I do think I, mean, I do try to advise people to like ease their way into meditation because I feel like there's a lot of problems when uh, people try to just jump into the to the deep end there and, and go to a 10 hour retreat. If you've never meditated oh, before, sure. that's terrible. But but absolutely, there's no reason to not start. I mean, if, like like we just talked about, if you're if you can breathe, you can meditate. If, if you have eight seconds, you have the time. It's just uh, a matter of making it a priority, really. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested, you said that you just started doing uh, meditation, like not, not counseling or coaching, whatever you want to call it with, with, with clients online. How is that going? Like what, what are their experiences? What are, what are you learning? What's going on with that? Uh, so it's actually, it's, it's, it's amazing. I've learned that. So I, I just did my first uh, live class uh, <clears throat> and I've been doing um, one-on-one classes, you know, through Zoom. I think life is through Zoom nowadays. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like. If you could go back in time, it probably would have been wise to invest in them about, you know, 
a year and a half ago or whatever. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I feel like I, I'm noticing that I, I, I tend to do better um, on a more personal level um, mm. with uh, the, the meditation class that I did live. Uh, it was just me looking at a black dot on my computer, uh, which I feel like, you know, I, I try to do my best as something I'm trying to get over is a little bit of stage fright in those circumstances because I don't have a person to connect to. Mm. Uh, I feel like when I have a person to connect to, I can kind of uh, play off of your energy or play off, like even just listening to you, like I, I, I get a better feel for the tone, the, you know what I mean? I, I just, totally. something about people, it's, it's, I, th I think I'm learning that I'm, I'm much more of a, even though I'm, I'm at times kind of painfully introverted, I, f I feel like I'm uh, much more of a peaceful people person than, uh, than I give myself credit for, I guess. Um, yeah. And another thing I, I noticed is that a lot of people seem to have a, uh, like a fear that they're going to do it wrong. And, and I always thought that was kind of weird that like it's meditating. Like you're going to, it's not like we're out here uh, making baskets or you, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like a, yeah. a, it, it literally is as easy as breathing and, and people try to make it complicated. And I think a lot of it has to do with the, you know, the stereotyping and the, you know, you, I hate to say it, but the Instagram culture of it has to look like this and you have to have a babbling brook and you have to have, the $150 meditation seat and you have to yeah. have a subscription to the ultra platinum version of that app or, you know, whatever app you're meditating with or any of those yeah. things. But I mean, it's stripped down. It's the most basic present moment thing you can do. And anything that's beyond that is, is if it helps you, that's great. But don't, I always feel like people put a lot of emphasis on those things. Um, and it's really unnecessary. I, I think that's another thing I've started to realize is there's a lot of, um, people are almost uh, afraid that they're going to hurt themselves or something. You know what I mean? It's almost like a, yeah. like a sense of urgency. I'm doing this wrong. Well, it's, it's, there is no wrong. Like there's, that's, that's something I try to tell people is there's really not a lot of ways to do it wrong. Um, and that at the end of the day, there is no meditation mafia. There is no, you know, like the Buddha's not going to come <laughs> knock on your door and like, you're, you know, bang, 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 you're doing it wrong. You know what I mean? It's not, yeah. not going to happen. Uh, I, I always try to tell people it's a very individualized thing. And I feel like, uh, that's that's something that's become really uh, obvious is that people feel like um, they're doing it wrong and and, and I feel like I, I want to and I'm sure you probably feel the same is I would like to empower people to do this um, yeah as a teacher I feel like I probably have like the worst business model of all time but I, I've been telling all of my clients so far that I want you to not need me to do this oh, I love that you know what I mean I, I want to like almost like uh, uh, teaching a kid to ride a bike, you know, you put the training wheels on and you're kind of there to like stand beside them and you take the training wheels off and then you, you know, you're still there to kind of stand beside them. And then eventually you're just going to let them go and they're just going to like go. And that's, and that's kind of what I want for uh, clients. And that's what I want for anybody that, you know, watches uh, live or reads a blog post or whatever it is I'm trying to do. That's my goal is I want people to, to not need assistance to be empowered in their practice, to be empowered to, you know, just sit down and do it, whether it's, oh, you know, eight second breath session or, you know, a two hour marathon or, you know, a retreat or whatever you want to do. Um, that's my goal is to just empower people with it. Yeah, you know, I, I love that. And, and one of the I mean, one of the reasons why I do is because it's just true. But, you know, right now, like, I don't know about you, but like, I'm like obsessed with like cult documentaries. They got all of these like TV series now, like everyone's eyes are on cults. And, and you know, the whole thing about a cult is like the leader is always trying to be in control. So I just love hearing yeah. 
someone talk about like, no, the whole idea is that you shouldn't need me. You know, I'm just helping yeah. you with the, the training rules for now, but eventually I'm going to go away. And that's what I love. That's what I loved about Buddha too, was just that, you know, he always would tell people like, it's not about me. Don't get obsessed with me. I'm, I'm telling you what I found in myself, but you got to go in yourself and you got to try out what I'm saying and, and test it out. Go take a big breath, see how you feel or what have you. I just love this whole idea of, I guess you would call them spiritual leaders or teachers or whatever, but not wanting to be in control. Cause that's, that's the mark of a of true spirituality is letting go, like letting go of the need to yeah. be in control, the safety that probably these cult leaders find in having the following or what have you. And, and I think that's what scares people away from spirituality, you know, is, you know, so like for me, like, you know, my whole thing that I'm about at, at humans are divine is like, I want to stay away from the extremes of like the weird, cult stuff that's terrible but also like the religious conservative strict stuff and it's you know because people get pushed away because that's when they think of spirituality or buddhism or meditation they think of one of those two things either like you're really weird or like you're really strict and i'm, I'm not going to be able to have my my ipa anymore or whatever you know <laughs> watch a rated rp or some shit you know what i mean yeah absolutely like, you can you can have fun you can be yourself you don't have to like subscribe to jesse or jim and whatever you know whatever you know what i mean so i, I love that yeah I, and i think for me uh and and this may be just part of like where i'm at in in life uh is i i think another thing meditation can really help with and and i think is probably the most empowering things you could ever step foot into is one self-awareness uh and, and two self-acceptance that doesn't mm. mean don't improve yourself or don't like, you don't want to be better self-acceptance as in, you know, when you know, when you're doing your best, you know, when you're trying, you know, when you're coming from a good place, you know, your yeah. intent. Um, I, I feel like we get so caught up in, uh, you know, as uh, what it looks like and, and how it appears outwardly that we're not focusing enough on uh, the qualities of, of how it is internally. And I yeah. think that that's really important to, um, I think it's helpful. I think I think uh, I, th I think if I were to wish one thing for anybody, it would be self acceptance, and 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 shortly behind that would be self you know self awareness or whichever way around that works. You know, one of those two things. Uh, yeah. first, first one, then the other. Because um, I, I I feel like that's uh, I feel like that's that's a, a thing people need right now uh, that not a lot of people are are paying attention to themselves, I guess, in their internal weather. Yeah. That's good. Um, it, make, it makes me think about, you know, like you talked about people meditating and worried about doing it wrong and all these things. And I think like one of the first things that as you grow in meditation or spirituality or what have you, that, that happens or should happen is that you let go of that need to do it right. Maybe you are. I agree with you. There's no right way or wrong way. But let's just pretend I am meditating wrong. Fuck it. I should be OK with that. Like, like as long as I have the right mm -hmm. intent, I'm trying like. It's okay. Like I shouldn't have this like obsessive need to, you know, get the A plus. You know what I mean? Like, hey, absolutely. Let me, let me get the C and pass the class, and I'll get I'll get better naturally as we go. But this is where I'm at now, you know. Yeah. And um, I, I used to be in management, and I, I would always I would always tell people like, don't be fake. Don't pretend to know something you don't know because then you're not in reality anymore. That's not who you are. If if where you are naturally at is at this level, that's okay. That's what I'm here for. That's what experience is here for. You're going to get better every day naturally. Uh, a tree doesn't strive to grow. I got to grow and do it right. 
right. And like a tree just gets 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 in the right condition, sunshine, water, soil, what have you. Growth is natural. When if you just meditate, even if you're doing it wrong, you'll naturally get better. You'll naturally see more, you know, benefit benefits from meditation and all of those things. And uh, Jim, when when did you start meditating? Like, what's your history with Buddhism or spirituality? Or give us a story here. Yeah. Uh, so I I um. My, I always had an interest in, in philosophy and religion overall. Uh, as, a, as a kid, I remember uh, stories uh, when I was five years old, I used to live with my, my grandmother and uh, she, uh, my, my grandfather, she remarried before I was born. And uh, my grandfather, yeah, I call him my grandfather, but he had uh, dictionaries and stuff and, and big books on, on a big bookshelf. And I remember I used to get in trouble all the time because I would slide the, they had like uh, bar stools uh, to, you know, to sit on and I would yeah. slide them over to the bookshelf to climb up to the higher shelves to get the books I wanted. Uh, so I always had like a, a, a and I was kind of would head towards the, um, you know, the more religious depictions of things and, and deities and those sort of things. Um, yeah. So I always had interest kind of early on. Uh, and then uh, I think in my teens, I was kind of, you know, of course, like, like every teenager is, you know, you're looking for some kind of truth uh, as you, grow older and I actually found uh, a book that was um, I believe it was translated by Dwight Goddard, but it, it was the Buddhist Bible. And uh, obviously there is no per se Buddhist Bible, but uh, it was just a compilation of sutras and then uh, a couple different collections. Like it had a, a, the Tao Te Ching in it. It had, um, you know, different excerpts from different Zen schools and stuff like that. And it was a nice little like introduction and uh, I actually lost the book at one point and, you know, oh, kind sure. of continued through my life as I did. And then uh, I got married at, uh, at, at 19 and then um, I found out we were going to have a baby. I believe I was 23 or 24 and uh, found the book again. And it felt like another serendipitous moment in my life and uh, started to really dig in and, um, you know, started to get really interested in the concepts again, as far as, uh, you know, anatta and you know, nothingness and, and uh, you know, um, no self and impermanence and those kind of things. And, uh, and just meditation in general, um, you know, even without a uh, larger metaphysical meaning behind it, just meditation in general. And uh, I actually uh, had a temple uh, not too far from my home. So uh, there it was a uh, Theravada temple. And uh, I had passed it every day for years and thinking like, man, I want to go in there one time and just check it out. And I finally just did one day and uh, they had one person that spoke English and uh, <laughs> he, he was my teacher for, uh, for two years. I went uh, uh, on average about twice a week. Uh, I tried for more, but you know, obviously new, new dad, new baby. Um, yeah. Th there's only so much you can do, but my, my schedule and, and thank God my wife, who is a freaking superstar, uh, she, she made space for me to be able to do it, uh, twice a week on average. And, uh, that's where I started. I just dug in and probably, uh, research meditation in the most undisciplined way that one could possibly do it. And, uh, you know, just kind of, uh, really fell into the concepts and, and the, and the philosophies. Can I ask you like, and maybe if there's a couple answers, which is great. Like when you first, what was the hook that got you into Buddhism? Like, was there something that like, as you were reading these texts that you like 
realized or felt or like just like a big broad like picture kind of a kind of thing that you just were like oh my god like i realize this now like okay i'm interested in this I'm, I'm, I'm interested in learning more but because i've had this like initial realization or experience was there anything like that for you or oh big time big time the so uh like i said you know i'm sure you you know this as, as as you read Buddhism. There's so many lists. There's you know the two this and the three that and the four those and and all these different <laughs> numerical yeah. uh, arrangements. Um, yeah. But the my first time reading the the Four Noble Truths, uh, the the first one really stuck with me because what I what I wanted to do is I wanted to really ponder on it, like like really ruminate on on something of of deep philosophical value. So uh, the first noble so, uh, truth for our viewers, what is the first noble truth? Uh, the first noble truth is the universality of dukkha or suffering, however you want to translate it. Um, mm -hmm. And and at, at surface value, you know, like okay, yeah, like everybody suffers. Okay, I get it. But as I meditated on it, I'm like, like, wait a minute, like the things that that I find sucky in my life, like the guy next to me, like his his life could suck in all those ways plus more. And mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like it put it, it, it kind of for the first time as a as a like I said, this is as a you know 17, 18 year old. For the first time, I really thought that, and I don't think I was really like a selfish kid, but uh, as, as an only child, you don't really kind of sheltered a little bit. Um, and I started to really realize, like, like truly realize, not just in in a uh, conceptual way or in a uh, purely theoretical way, but to truly realize that each of us has our own weights and our own heaviness and our own sufferings and our own unsatisfactoriness and every one of us has those things and and in that moment i felt like you know like i had just gotten like slapped in the forehead you know what i mean like it just like my head just filled with a with a it was very like uh like, like a eureka moment almost and it may be like obvious to everyone else and that's and that's cool that's what i love about buddhism is it's very uh targeted it, it can be targeted toward the individual and how the individual fits in but uh the you know the growth has to come from within in my mind and in that yeah. moment, I felt like my whole, almost like the, the, like I was blind and somebody turned the light on, you know, like the, like I was in a dark room and somebody turned on the light and I'm like, wow, like this is what's around me. And I'm sure there's, you know, much deeper and, and more than what I can perceive. But, uh, as far as the, the single moment, that was the one I was like, wow, like this is really, this is all so much bigger than me. Yeah. That's great. Uh, I mean, for me, you know, the first Buddhist book that I read was from uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, and it was his commentary on the Heart Sutra, which if you don't, or viewers don't know, it's like the most famous Buddhist sutra, kind of takes all of the schools and kind of like everyone agrees on this one, everyone loves this one. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh, so do you like Thich Nhat Hanh, Jim, or what's your... I, yeah, favorite? I do, I do. I, I love one of, uh, I actually include one of his uh, quotes about meditation in my class and it's that uh, meditation is uh, an intimate encounter with the present moment and I think it's very eloquently worded and a lot of times very um, succinct you know what I mean like there's just enough words to get the meaning and not too extraneous yeah yeah I, I, I think he's I think he's brilliant I think he makes he takes so many Buddhist schools and thoughts and just makes it you know contemporary and I, I, it's interesting because my real my my first realization that got me hooked into Buddhism is like in the same category as you, Jim, but it's a little different. But I, but I, I love that. So like for me, you know, he uh, Thich Nhat Hanh 
I mean, probably one of the most famous like concepts he's known for or that he's made famous from Buddhism is this idea of, of interbeing and the idea that, you know, there is no such thing as an independent self. And, yeah. and so when Buddhists talk about, you know, emptiness, people think that people imagine like a big black room or like being in outer space and like that. This is it. This is the truth. Salvation is just nothingness. And and he explains that emptiness doesn't mean that i mean you know to be empty means that you're something a cup is empty but there's still a cup there so what are you empty of and yeah. and we all of us are empty of this of an individual isolated self so like you know jim i love i love your real your realization was like i'm suffering and this guy's suffering we're all in this together like you began to like transcend yourself you began to stop thinking in, in, in a me way and more in a we way so for me you know tick not han will will explain how you know when you look at a flower if there wasn't, if the sun didn't exist and the sunshine didn't exist, that there, that flower wouldn't be there. If the rain and water didn't exist, that flower wouldn't be there. If somebody didn't plant that flower, that flower wouldn't be there. All of these things, pretty much the whole universe. If you if you really want to go deep into this idea, the flower is there because of all of these all of these things: the sun and the, and the rain and the soil and and the person who's conscious of the flower. All of these elements came together to make the flower. So yeah. the flower is there, but the flower is made of things that are not the flower. The flower is so intricately, intricately connected to everything. And you can you can take that same idea about yourself and about anything. And so for me, like you like I love what Jim said, like it wasn't like a school. It wasn't like I read a school book and I learned a fact like, oh, America was found in 1776 or whatever. Right. It was, it, you know, it was like a realization like, oh, my God, like you feel different. It like, yeah, it, it, eureka moment and for me my eureka moment was like i'm not alone like i'm not my my existence and my happiness and my life is not just about what i do like yeah you know like, yeah. like we said earlier like we should we should all try our best and have good intentions but at the end of the day like no one can succeed on their own it takes a village right so you know you know jim your your realization and, and mine are similar because it what, what it did was it helped us again stop thinking about me 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 and it's like, whoa, this is all about we, like we're all connected. We're all in this together. And when that happens, it's like a load comes off you like, oh my God, okay. Like I can relax a little bit. Yeah, that's, you know I mean? that's an awesome way to put that. It's, it's like you just shed a, a weight. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, you know, yeah. So after that, you know, cause before, before that I, I was not anti-Buddhist. I just didn't know. I just, whatever. And after that, I was like, wow, like I want more of this. And you know, that, that was my journey. And, uh, it really, it really is great. So, so Jim, you said you you grew up Christian, or? Uh, yeah. So my 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 parents were loosely religious, um, and honestly, I haven't talked to either of them in a while because they weren't exactly uh, positive influences uh, to put to put it nicely. A um, little bit, uh, I, I guess the the popular word nowadays would be toxic. Um, mm. But uh, my my dad was uh, loosely Southern Baptist. Um, kind of more so to like a mundane point. Like he would pray that, uh, you know, work went well and, and, and that, and there were a lot of times like he would, he, and this is through conversations with him, obviously, I don't know what his relationship with the divine, but uh, you know, a lot of times it sounded very uh, hand to mouth, very, you know, I'm praying to fulfill a need, not praying mm -hmm. for fulfillment, I guess, if that makes sense. And, yeah, then, yeah. and then honestly, I, I, I don't know that my mother was, too religious because she went to Catholic schools as a young girl. And I think they, yeah. they, they beat the love of God out of her. Like they do in a lot of, <laughs> a lot of cases. 
uh, sometimes literally and, and, and quite often figuratively. Um, so yeah, I mean, there was, it was definitely around, uh, but honestly the, my curiousness of religion was probably the most, uh, of religion there was in, in, in my house. I mean, my, my parents were, uh, they were never married. So, um, you know, it was always, I was, uh, you know, weekends and, and every Wednesday or every other weekend and, and Wednesdays at my dad's house. And, you know, so it was like the back and forth kind of thing, but neither of them had a, uh, you know, I think, I think my, uh, kids Bible was the real Bible in the house for a long time. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't a yeah, lot, yeah, of, yeah. it wasn't emphasized a lot of the stuff they were kind of going through, uh, the motions, you know, so we had Christmas trees, we had the nativity scenes, we had, uh, those kind of more so with my dad on that stuff. But, um, you know, the, the, we celebrated, uh, Christian holidays, but there wasn't a lot of, uh, substance to it. There wasn't a lot of, uh, depth in it. You know what I mean? Totally. Totally. And, and that's, yeah, I, mean, that's, I, I think, I, 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 go ahead. Oh, sorry. I just wanted to finish the thought just, uh, that, that, uh, I think that's what made me curious is, is there was like a dimension to life that I wasn't getting like there was an itch that wasn't being scratched and i think that's why i i wanted to dive in i mean i've, I've read about uh, norse mythology and greek mythology and you know what i mean like i always wanted to to know um how different people uh thought of you know, like how they theorized how how these great events happen and and you know those questions of what happens to us when we die and all those those big things i feel like there's a lot of that i was very curious about and neither of them could really give me those answers yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you you bring up a, a a random question for me, but I'm interested. I feel like in Buddhism, there's this like debate between like you know like reincarnation or the idea of rebirth, and like some <laughs> are, like, heavy into this idea, and then some are like, no, like there is no self. So how could there could be a self to re reincarnate? Like, what's what's your take on that? Oh, so I I love this question because I, as far as semantics go, I hate getting into semantics, and I hate when when people get overly exacting on concepts versus like actually talking about the concepts, you know, oh, same. if we're going to talk about the idea, let's talk about the idea. Don't correct my grammar. You know what I mean? Those kind of things. Oh yeah. Um, Cause honestly, like everyone communicates differently, but anyway, um, as far as reincarnation and rebirth, um, uh, obviously, as you know, they're, they're, the two things are different. Um, reincarnation would be uh, a, the analogy I've always heard is like a, like a man putting on a new suit. It's, it's different clothes, it's different shirt, different pants, different hat, uh, but always the same person underneath. So yeah. to, to reincarnation, there is a enduring, everlasting entity uh, in the center. You know what I mean? There is a, there is a uh, pit in the peach. You know what I mean? There's something there, something solid uh, that continues on. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> uh, for Buddhism, rebirth, and, and it's a different concept, obviously, uh, the way I always like to explain it is it's kind of like, uh, and hopefully this isn't, <laughs> isn't going to run too long, but, uh, I always explain it as humanity, humans, uh, existing, well, not just humans, but, but, you know, existent beings, uh, sentient beings are a process just like a flame. Uh, mm. if you were to have a candle sitting in the center of the room, um, you know, and you were to let that candle burn down till it's, you know, almost gone. And you then take another candle and you catch that flame. And as you catch that flame, the first candle goes out. Well, is, is that the same flame or is it a different mm -hmm. flame? Well, yeah. technically speaking, it's, it's a different candle, different wax, different particles of wick being burned by the millisecond, different particles of oxygen being used. 
So you couldn't really say it's the same, but you caught it on fire from the other flame. So you couldn't really say it's different either. So <laughs> to me, it's, 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 you know, uh, existent beings, it's, it's a, a step-by-step process that is meeting an end. Um, you know, just like when they said, uh, and I did, I did read this, that, uh, the Buddha was asked what happens to, to him when he died. And he said, it'd be like taking a, if a campfire were to burn nearly down to nothing. And then as it was dying, you took those, those last embers and you just threw them into the wind. Um, you know, the, then does the fact that this fire is, is truly gone and all the elements of it scattered, does that mean there will never be another fire? Absolutely not. Of course there's going to be fires. We fire all over the place, but yeah, this particular process has met its end. And yeah. I think, I think that's uh, in my mind, that's more how it is. There's a, there's a continuity of existence and a uh, propensity to carry things from one life to the next. Um, so I very much believe in rebirth. Uh, I just try not to impress it on people because a lot of people are uh, either have misconceptions on it, like it's it's this evil thing, or right. or they think you're trying to you know convert them to your cult. And that's like going back to what you said earlier. A lot of times people think like, oh, you're a weirdo. Yeah. So they often don't want to debate it, you know, on on just just on face value alone. Yeah, totally. And I, and I think too, it's like, you know, personally, like personally, I don't even know, know where I stand on that. I, I choose to remain in mystery and not, which for me sometimes means like, I don't really give a shit. Cause like, <laughs> like I can just meditate now and I'll be happy now. And I'm not really concerned about what's going to happen later. Um, but I think that, you know, what, what's your thought on, on this statement? Uh, you know, if, if I get into Buddhism and I, I don't really even concern myself with, with this, this question of reincarnation or rebirth, and I just kind of like skim along that, you know, is that okay? Oh, absolutely. I, I don't think you uh, have to have a, you know, a cosmic view on what is, I mean, if you look at uh, one of my favorite things about Buddhism and, and, you know, I wish I was a, a better, uh, like one of those pastors where they can sit down and quote the, the, you know, the exact person <laughs> chapter, but, um, one of the, one of my favorite things was, uh, having read in the, in the, and it was probably honestly from that book, a Buddhist Bible, um, was that we, we judge, uh, a tree by, by the fruit it bears. So, um, you know, obviously if a, if a tree were to bear a, a you know, a rotten stankin' fruit, it would be a bad tree. If, if a tree were to bear, uh, you know, mangoes and apples and pears and peaches and those kind of things, that's a good tree. It's, it bears good fruit. Um, turning that analogy towards uh, Buddhism and meditation, uh, these things, uh, if practiced regularly, they bear good fruit right here, right now. Like they can make tomorrow better. They can make the next breath better. So even if only you take it that far, um, you know, because some people are are secular Buddhists and and only believe, excuse me, only believe that the um, the more cosmic stuff is, is extraneous and just more allegorical or something like that. And it's just for, uh, illustration purposes, uh, which is fine. Um, I think the fact that it can bear fruit right now makes it valuable, um, and doesn't have to be per se, you know, go into, uh, beginningless time and all those kind of concepts that you read about in a lot of the, uh, you know, sutras. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that, you know, like, 
I, I, I love that. Like if, if it's, if it does something good for you, then, you know, good is good. It's, it can't be like, oh, evil in disguise. Like, you know, I think a lot of Christians or, and I, I say Christians a lot. Cause I mean, we're, we're in America and that's kind of like the, the predominant religion here. So yeah, whether you're not to vilify, not, yeah, not to vilify, but that is, that is what no, is around. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whether you're a Christian or not, you have some Christian values in you just because our, that's just the way it is. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I think a lot of people just get suspicious or like paranoid about something like Buddhism and, and, you know, you don't have to embrace every single thing to embrace the things that speak to you. And yeah. I think that, you know, one of, one of the best things that I've learned in life is really like how to learn, how to read. Like when I, I don't know about you, Jim, but like when I read a, a spiritual book, whether it's Buddhist or not, like th this is my mindset. Like I'm not reading it to like find out what's right or find out what I don't like. I'm just like reading it. Like, like, just like, uh, I'm just like open. Okay. Like there are things that I like. Great. There are things that I don't understand. I just move past it. There are things that maybe I do disagree with. Okay. Whatever. I just keep reading. I don't really get so into like my judgment on whether this person is right or wrong. I'm just reading to read, but you know what? I, I, I can find a book and maybe like 12 chapters book, a 12, 12 chapter book. They're all boring, but chapter six was amazing. And I, I really learned something and it helped me in my life. Great. What's wrong with that? You know, so yeah. you can do the same with Buddhism or any, any form of spirituality. Like don't, I would just say, don't be scared to venture out, you know, be in your safe zone. That's, that's okay. Don't just accept things blindly, which we did say earlier, think for yourself and, and things, but you know, you can be a secular Buddhist, a Christian Buddhist, an atheist Buddhist, whatever, like, you know, do do you and yeah. and if something is calling you to to read a book or sign up for a class with me or Jim or someone else who whatever, if that's what you feel, be yourself. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And and that's that's what I I think is important is and I think it's one of those things you realize with age is not everything is mutually exclusive all the time. You know what I mean? Right. Like there's there's you know when I was a kid everything felt so black and white, so right and wrong and 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 those kind of things. And you know there are a lot of things that very much are either correct or are not correct uh but largely life is 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 the gradations between uh there there's not a lot of uh hot and cold per se as as you know there's a massive area in between the two and uh that's usually where we live and and like you were saying going back to um you know the different uh teachings and different books and different things uh one of my favorite things that that my my teacher would tell me uh was to come to he said anytime you come to a new teacher or a new lesson, or a new anything, any, any kind of new information you're looking to take in, come with an empty cup. Don't come with your mm. cup full. What, what makes a cup useful? The fact that it's empty. If the cup's already full, you can't put anything in it other than what's already in it. So he would say, don't, he said that he had some students that would come to him, and he'd been a monk for like 15 years, so he wasn't new per se, but he he, he was the only white guy monk in a, in a temple full of uh, Laotians. So, you know, he, he kind of stood out. And, and seemed to be the new guy on the block. But um, he, he, that was one thing he said that people always tried to, I guess, impress him or flex on him. You know how like we, <laughs> I guess it's like a very, <laughs> very Instagram-ish type moment, but try to flex on people with, with your knowledge and, and to show your expertise. And there is some time you can, uh, you know, show people what you know. But if you're looking to learn something and you want to in earnest take it in, uh, like you say, come in as, as, as objectively as possible. Come with your hands open come with your cup empty come ready to take something in and then uh you know you get to become kind of the filter you get to take in my mind i think you get to take uh what what is useful and what you find to be uh to bear those good fruits in your life and to kind of leave aside or, or not really mess with what uh doesn't agree with your 
intuitions or with your gut or whatever, you know, with your sense of the divine or whatever you seem to think. Yeah, totally. Okay. So on the topic of books, I'm going to give you three different questions. You can answer one or all three. Uh, I've gotten feedback before people who want recommendations or they, they, you know, maybe they get inspired to, okay, you know what? Yeah. I do want to meditate or I do want to look into it, but maybe I, I can be better at like making recommendations. So, uh, so three questions. Number one, is there a new book that you're reading or a new teacher that you think is hot for you that you, that you like? Number two, is there a book that you, that you always recommend to beginners? And then number three, is there a book that you like reread and reread and reread like over and over? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, actually. Um, so as far as teachers go, my, my favorite, I always like to, uh, with in as, in as best a way I can, cause obviously I'm not going to go out and learn the, the, you know, the native language, like a poly, like I couldn't sit down and learn that language, <laughs> but, uh, I try to get as close as I can to, uh, the original text. And I think that's what drew me to Theravada Buddhism. Cause they're supposed to be like the, you know, orthodox old school, you know, OG kind of Buddhists. Um, yeah, that's, that's what drew me there. So my, my favorite in that vein, my favorite teacher is Bhikkhu Bodhi. He is by no means new. He's been doing this since, uh, I want to say 1970 something. Can you spell that for, for our audience? Uh, yeah. So it's uh, B H I K H U B O D H I Biku Bodhi. Uh, Biku is, is uh, I believe it's Thai or, or maybe it is. Ter- uh, anyway, it's in the Theravada tradition. That's, that is a, uh, um, uh, I believe it means venerable. Oh, oh man. I, I feel bad. Cause I'm not really, uh, oh, it, but uh, but yeah, B- well, actually, no, I'm sorry. Biku is is a is a monk. Uh, Biku is is how you address a a male monk. A female monk would be Bikuni. Um, so he's uh, and Bodhi obviously means uh, wisdom. If you dig into any of the the blogs or articles, that's that's uh, you know, so he's monk wisdom or or wisdom monk. Uh, and he actually is probably in in my mind. And and if you you know uh, dig into him, any he, he's probably one of the foremost translators of uh, Pali texts and of these sutras. So if you've read stuff, um, more than likely he's probably translated it. He, he has a super extensive collection of talks that he does and things like that. And, uh, he is by far one of my favorites. If you're into that dry scholarly, you know, like you really want to be as close as you can to having sat next to the Buddha in my mind, uh, somebody like him, like I, I just, I always like to get that raw, um, interpretation i guess as, as close as i can to the source and then kind of draw my own conclusions from there so he's probably the hottest teacher and uh i, I would still say for uh beginners obviously with with a lot of this stuff as, as far as books um if you're not into the dry stuff uh you're gonna have to go to commentaries um but don't don't be so harsh on yourself to jump straight into like uh you know straight into the vinyana pataka which is the the uh, rules that the Buddha set forth for the monks or the Abhidhamma, which is for, you know, the, the more uh, like esoteric readings of Buddhism. Uh, it's okay to start with the uh, commentaries. Uh, people like, uh, like Jack Cornfield does a decent job a lot of times. Um, I think uh, Sharon Salzberg for the most part, some of them are a little too flowery for me. I don't know if you're like, I'm, I'm kind of more into the raw grittier. Uh, I hate to say it to toot my own horn, but the stuff that I make, like, I, I, I don't have a sing-song voice, so I don't like being talked to that way. Um, 
but yeah, they have some good, uh, so there's some good authors to read from as far as, uh, commentaries and things like that. But, uh, for me, again, it's that, that same book, uh, the Buddhist Bible. And if you want, I could send you a, a link to it because I have probably bought that book three times now. And I think I've one absolutely disintegrated, uh, and two, I've actually given away to people, um, because I thought it was that good and that valuable, um, because I like the raw sutras, but if you're looking for, uh, free, uh, you know, information as far as the actual sutras, one of my favorite resources of all time is, uh, buddhanet.net. So B-U-D-D-H-A-N-E-T.net. And it is a completely unbiased, uh, site. So they have stuff from, if you want to learn about Chan Buddhism, if you want to learn about Zen Buddhism, if you want to learn you know, any of the Mahayana schools, uh, if you want to learn about uh, Vajrayana Buddhism, if you want to learn about Theravada Buddhism, they have all of the different schools, you know, different um, texts that the school, those different schools would look towards, uh, as well as um, they even have coloring books. Like if you want to color a picture of the Buddha, they have a coloring book. You can color a picture of the Buddha and do word searches. So it's really neat because I, I think it's, uh, I believe it's actually uh, a resource for some schools. Like they, they have, you, you can, uh, I haven't dug into it cause I'm obviously, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a school. So, um, but you, you can get, uh, you know, discs and booklets and things like that, but they have word searches. They have um, all kinds of neat stuff that if you want to pick it up from uh, all the way from the most uh, like, you know, crawling before you walk kind of, uh, place to all the way to if you want to sit down and try and read the abhidhamma they have it for free there if you want to to flip through it um to be honest with as, as much as i do i'm, I'm very much a, a, a you know books on tape or or podcast kind of person um i just you know i generally don't have the free time with four kids and then trying to uh get the 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 unusual buddha to lift off the ground some uh, you know it's, it's tough to read and things like that but uh, i would i would say that's probably where i stay and uh, that's actually where I found Bhikkhu Bodhi is uh, on uh, BuddhaNet.net. He had a, a talk called uh, The Buddhist Teaching As It Is. And if you have, I think there are 12 talks and they're all at least 45 minutes. So if you have like a really long road trip and you really want to know about this stuff, that's the way to go. Um, but uh, yeah, I hate to say it, but as far as books go, I'm, I'm, I'm not... Uh, I don't really have a lot of time to read books per se, but I definitely do listen to uh, talks and things like that. But the, as far as Bhikkhu Bodhi and Buddhanet.net, that's, I've probably told a hundred thousand people about both of those. And, uh, and, and I, I, I think they're really helpful and, and good uh, resources for, you know, if you want to get at this information on, on a, on a pretty deep level. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so it's it's buddhanet.net you said yes uh and that's and like okay, i said that's great. that's just in having dug through uh, a lot of people talk about like access to insight and that's and, and and they do have some good articles but i haven't really spent the time on that site as i did with uh, uh buddhanet.net and they have like all kinds of things you can check out and like i said coloring books i mean you can't beat a coloring book <laughs> and then uh i'll tell you what send, send me the link for the the, the the buddha bible and i'll put that on the description we'll take care we'll take care of that okay yeah and, uh, and like i said i don't get any like uh you know it's not like a plug for it i don't get any money i think that book was probably written in in the 60s as well or, or translated in the 60s so uh it's not one of those kind of it's not a sponsorship deal but uh, definitely good uh solid information and and just um you know like i said i like to get to that raw as close as I can to to having sat next to to the Buddha myself, um, 
some of it is kind of weird and you may have to like stop and look up words because like when i read it the first time i didn't know what a deva was i didn't know uh you know what bodhi meant i didn't you know what i mean so a lot of stuff i had to like stop and and do some homework to get but uh if 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 people are of that mind uh it's probably one of the best books you could find for it yeah totally and, and you know what if if oh but by the way jim what what's your day job i, I know you're a buddhist teacher but what, what else do you do uh so i'm actually a, a firefighter i um so i work 24 hour shifts and uh i actually have to be up at uh 3 30 in the morning tomorrow uh, to get to work on time so uh definitely definitely stressful and uh is uh, even though I, I still have moments where i'm, I'm not uh on my coolest uh i think uh buddhism and, and meditation has definitely helped me from pulling out more hair than i'm already losing <laughs> <laughs> so i've never heard of a buddhist firefighter i feel like that's like a badass like <laughs> thing right there so uh there you have it guys there's a there's a there's a buddhist firefighter out there in the world i'm sure there's many you know especially you know and in the in the eastern world but yeah that, that's really super cool and you know what what i would say too to anybody is you know you know, I, I like to be realistic. You know, some of you are probably going to check out these links, but if you're not, and you're just like, that's too much, you know, again, like, you know, I, I highly, I highly recommend like, you know, that's why people like Jim and myself are here. Like we spent years studying, we spent time doing things so that we can provide you with this service because we're all in this world providing the world with something, whether it's art or, or picking up our trash or doing our hair or teaching us how to meditate. You know, it's like, you know, there's people out there. And again, that, that, that doesn't mean blindly believe whatever someone says, you know, but I mean, there's just, it makes life easier, you know? Yeah. And, and so again, you know, Jim is at the unusual Buddha.com. Check out his stuff. Even if you just want to read some like articles, which I, I, I think are, are great, you know, they're not like too complicated to read. They're easy reads. You know, if, if that's too much, follow him on Twitter at, at not the Buddha you know, I, I think tweets are great. You know, I think like a, like a 21st century, like spiritual tip that I have that I actually use is like, I, I have like, you know, hashtags that I follow, you know, and like just getting yeah. all of these quotes a day, these inspirational quotes, sometimes like I learn stuff or a thought will stick with me or something that I've been, I've been stuck on for a while. And like, I'll just read this quote from a certain guru or llama or what have you. And it, it's like, oh, like, that's the answer I was looking for. Like, don't, in the same way that me and Jim talked about not being scared of, you know, meditating for five minutes or two minutes or eight second breath, like don't be scared of just you don't want to read a book, follow some Buddhist people on Twitter or something, yeah. Instagram or what have you. Absolutely. Like, that might spark a fire in you. Like a, a a big fire starts with a little spark. Absolutely. You know? so that is that is be afraid that is a perfect point. That is a perfect point. Uh that's actually what uh one of the, the motivations I have for making like memes and stuff. I mean, I know if anybody uh, checks out our, our Twitter feed, uh, I cut up a lot of, you know, there's a lot of jokes, a lot of like funny uh, statements and a lot of things that are not expressly spiritual or anything like that. And then if you follow us on uh, Facebook, uh, tons and tons of memes, because I always like to try and make a meme, you know, introduce a concept uh, that's in Buddhism with humor and to kind of like you said, like, like light that spark and, and let you, uh, go be curious and look up what is rebirth. What is uh, what are the five noble or the four noble truths? What are the the five aggregates? That's what I want to do. I want to uh, hit your curiosity to you know what I'm saying. Like that's what I really want to do totally. and do it with humor. Totally, totally, totally. 
so Jim, is, is there what's been on your mind lately in, in in the Buddhist or spiritual world, or what are you what are you teaching your students about? Like what's 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 the topic or the the idea or the statement or what you know something that's really been like speaking to you lately? Is, is there anything like that you want to share? Uh, yeah, that's uh, so honestly, most of my classes since uh, a lot of these uh, people are, are are brand new to to Buddhism, I, I do a lot of uh, introduction. And a lot of, uh, not to say, I don't like to call it Buddhism 101 because that implies that like I'm some sort of master or something like that. Um, and I'm not. Um, I don't know that anybody would really claim to be one. But uh, uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time going over uh, basic concepts and something I wanted to move into once I start getting, and I'm starting to get some uh, repeat customers and things like that, uh, is, is to breaking into some of these uh parables and some of these analogies uh and i guess if you wanted to call it even allegories from buddhism and and the value that those things can have uh like one of the the latest ones that i've been reading i don't know if you are familiar with the story of uh kisa gotama no tell me about it so so kisa gotama uh was a um and i hope i'm saying the name correctly i i, I believe that's how you say it um but she was a she later became a a, a Bhikkhuni, so a nun of, of the Buddhist, but she, uh, she had a, a, a baby boy and um, this was like the light of her life. This, was the, this child was the only thing that brought her joy and, and brought her joy to a level she'd never known before. And the boy got sick and the boy died. And she was carrying him around to different doctors, different healers, different medicine men trying to like, can you heal my son? He's sick. Well, he wasn't sick. He was dead. And they would all tell her, you know, one by one, sorry, I can't, I can't fix that. I can't fix dead. I can't heal him from being dead. Um, and then eventually she heard from somebody, why don't you go take him to, uh, you know, Siddhartha Gautama. He's, he's the, the Buddha. He's, he's over there teaching and, and see if he can help you. And um, so she's still carrying her dead son, uh, walked over to the Buddha and said, you know, told him the story and he, you know, he's sick and I need help. And can you, can you cure him of his illness and, and bring him back to me? And the Buddha looked at her and, and obviously saw that the, the boy is very obviously dead. Um, and he said, uh, yeah, I can, I can fix this. I can totally fix this for you. Uh, I just need you to get some ingredients for me so I can make the medicine. And she said, oh, wow, like, this is the first positive answer she had heard. Um, so she said, great, I can get mustard seeds. Where, where, where do we, you know, is that all we need? And she said, he said, well, there's one condition. I need you to get mustard seeds for this medicine and I need it to be from a house that's never known death. That's never known the loss of a loved one. So right there from the beginning, you're like, wait a minute, like this, I feel like this might be a little bit of a goose chase. Um, but she does. She's so excited. She's so happy by the prospect that, that she got any kind of a positive response. She goes to the first house and says, uh, great. Do you, do you, Hey, do you have any mustard seeds? And they're like, sure, we have mustard seeds. You need some mustard seeds? And they go and they bring it to her. And then she says, oh, by the way, has anybody ever died here? And the first answer was, oh, my, my uncle died here. And the next house, same thing. You know, my, my grandfather died here. Oh, I lost my wife. Oh, I lost my, my sister. Uh, every house she went to, she found that somebody had, in fact, died there. That every person in every one of these houses had known death in some way. So she realized that she was hanging on to somebody that was gone, that that was not her mm. son anymore, that that was not, uh, she was hanging on to an idea. So once she, you know, one of those realization moments, it's not something you can learn in a book. It's something that uh, through this intelligent means to this, this, this uh, 
sidestep of normal teaching, he was able to unveil to her to make clear to her what was going on. And she was grasping onto somebody that was gone and could not come back. There was no medicine for dead. Um, so with that realization, she went and she buried her son and, you know, uh, said her goodbyes and, and finished her crying her tears for him and then went and became uh, a bhikkhuni saying, basically, you know, I've, 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 I'm done with uh, the loss of a son. Uh, please teach me liberation. And right there, she became a, a nun. And if the, you read the stories, uh, she later became uh, fully enlightened and actually uh, had a couple encounters with uh, the Buddhist version and kind of, I guess, of, of, of the devil, which is Mara. So uh, it's a really cool story. And I think there's, there's a real lot of deep meaning to it if you really sit down and, and unpack it. And that is probably the most condensed version I can give you without uh, taking up too much of your time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's it's pretty morbid. So, what's what's one what's one point that you, that you got from that that you, people can learn from that? Uh, I I think like we were talking about, it's it's um, you know that that suffering is not though you are suffering, you are in pain. Um, you're not the only one, and you're not alone in mm -hmm. it. You're not by yourself with it. Uh, you may feel like, uh, you know, how could anyone ever know my hurt? How could everyone anyone ever know my pain? Um, and, and to be fair, no, nobody may ever actually know how you feel. Uh, it's tough to sympathize with someone if you haven't, you know, there's so many different experiences to have. You cannot have exactly experienced each thing. Uh, we can empathize with each other. It's, you know, feel for one another. But, um, you know, it's hard to feel exactly what someone feels. But, uh, you know, just know that uh, the world has been here a long time. Humans have been around for a long time. And a lot of what you're experiencing is not. Uh, you're not alone in it. And I think that that's important because like going back to what you said earlier is that interconnectedness. I feel like it's, mm. it's very empowering to know that, uh, you know, you're not on an Island. No one is an Island. Uh, yeah. even, even through the good things and through the bad things. I mean, it's, I feel like that that's, uh, you know, if, if, if I fall so hard to hit bedrock, at least I can start from bedrock. You know what I mean? That's a solid place yeah. to build a foundation. And to me, uh, for this person, I mean, having four kids myself, I feel like if I lost one, I would be, I could totally identify with why she like, why she would walk around trying to fix him because, you know, this, one of those things like two minutes ago, he was fine. And now he's not, you know what I mean? Like one of those kind of things. And, and it's hard to accept. And I think that's one of those things is, is um, that we do to ourselves so much as we don't accept the reality of a situation and we continue to play through it as though the reality didn't happen. And I think that's oh, okay. also yeah. empowering too, is, is that like, if you really look at a situation, sometimes the most powerful thing you can do is just say that that did happen, that did occur. And I can't change that, but I can change what I do going from here. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, sometimes we learn lessons from like extreme examples, but it doesn't have to be that like a literal death of someone, you know, like there's so many small deaths that we experience every day. Maybe you got a flat tire. Maybe your, 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 your flight was canceled. Maybe you're going through a freaking pandemic. There's always <laughs> these things that get away, you know, th there, there are these little deaths here and there. And I love what you said, like, you know, accepting reality, you know, and again, the first noble truth, life is suffering, accept that. But guess what? There's more noble truths than that. When you yeah. accept what is, even if it's bad, 
you know, eventually you get to the fourth noble truth, which is this path to be free from, you know, from a certain kind of suffering that we bring to ourselves through our ego and all that stuff, which we're not going to get into. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole think, episode of its own. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great way to end it. You know, if, if you're in the car right now or what have you or wherever you at, wherever you're at, you know, whether it's good, bad, ugly, you know, just accept where you're at. And you're not alone in this and we're all together and you will find so much more peace and joy. Paradoxically, even if it's a bad thing, if you can just be with what is and not with your mind, that's always interpreting things a certain way. But anyways, Jim, it's been a pleasure. Uh, again, we, we've talked online, but it was a pleasure to, to talk to you uh, voice to voice. Like yeah. you said, there's just something about human contact. There's just something about that happens to us. We get inspired. Um, Again, you can find him at theunusualbuddha.com. I highly encourage you to check it out. If you're on Twitter, he's at NotTheBuddha. And then everywhere else in the social media world, he's at TheUnusualBuddha. Check him out. Sign up for one of his classes. He's in the East Coast. Uh, and he's a firefighter. I mean, <laughs> you, you can say a firefighter taught you meditation. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, Jim, uh, happy new year to you, man. This, this podcast won't be out until the new year. So this is 2021. Everybody welcome to 2021. If you're listening. Welcome. And, uh, <laughs> I hope if I personally, I don't do resolutions cause I'm kind of lazy to be honest, <laughs> but if you do, if you do do resolutions, I hope it would be that you learn to meditate. And, uh, I promise you it's not boring or hard. I think Jim would agree. It can be easy and 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 fun. Absolutely. So, uh, any last words, my friends? Uh, no, just thank you for having me. I appreciate uh, you taking the time out to to sit down and listen to me blabber for a little bit. <laughs> oh, I loved it. I enjoyed it, and I'm glad that you're just a down to earth guy. I think that's that's an important important feature. So, happy New Year, my friend. You too. Thank you very much. Have a good one, man. As always, please check uh, our work out at www.humansaredivine.blog. You'll find our blog, our podcast, our Twitter. If you want to sign up for meditation coaching, uh, it's pay what you can. So don't be shy. I really encourage you. It will definitely change your life for the better. And uh, if you want to donate to keep this podcast and, and this blog and this work going, uh, no pressure, but you, you can do that at paypal.me forward slash humans are divine, paypal.me forward slash humans are divine. Have a great 2021 and we'll see you guys at the next podcast.